Today's scripture reading is found in Philippians 2, verse 1 to 11. And I will be reading from the New Living Translation. Is there any, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the highest to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father Thank you, Helmar, for reading the scripture this morning. I feel like this is a bit of a reunion Sunday or something. Earlier it was with Brad from like being his youth pastor 25 years ago. And Helmar and I actually grew up at the same church, a little German Baptist church. And when I asked him to read the scripture, he offered to read in German kind of for old time's sake. But uh, I wasn't sure if that would uh, go over so well with you. And uh, Hilmar and uh, his wife, Trisha, have been attending TCC from, since just before this last Christmas. And uh, they have two girls, Anna and Katja. And um, Trisha is, uh, we've been praying for Trisha's brother, Nathan. His, uh, it's been a prayer request in the Sunday news for uh, a number of weeks now, probably months. And is going through an incredible um, battle with cancer right now. 39, I think, uh, late 30s. Um, and a young family, and uh, they're actually getting a chance to get away, I think, today uh, for 10 days, um, and just making some family memories together. So it's an incredibly difficult time for their family, and so we want to continue to pray for uh, Trisha's family, and specifically her brother Nathan. Well, we're in a series of messages called Making Best Choices. We know that as we kind of get into the the summer months, people are traveling and getting away for the weekend. So it's sometimes hard to track with a a series that moves through a book of the Bible. You just miss two or three weeks in a row, and you kind of lose the overall context a little bit. And uh, and so um, during this season, we we just uh, look at uh, some specific themes and uh, sort of standalone messages under this umbrella that we're just calling Making Best Choices. And so this morning, I want to spend some time talking about the theme of choosing to be a blessing. With just having gathered around the Lord's table, it seems appropriate to not only reflect on what Jesus has done for us, but also to consider what our response then should be ourselves. You see, simply put, God designed each of us to be vessels, so that what we receive from Him, we then turn around and pour it out on others. 
And so he uses Jesus as a wonderful example, of course, of this to teach us how to live. We are followers of Christ. We're Christians, so we want to imitate the way Jesus lived. And this passage in Philippians chapter 2 that Hilmer just read for us is one of those great kind of go-to passages on the person and work of Jesus Christ. It's about Jesus humbling himself before God the Father, and in doing so, setting an example for his followers to imitate. It's really a, a wonderful portrait of Jesus Christ, and it offers a challenge to those of us who seek to follow him. The Apostle Paul is writing in these verses to encourage the Philippians. He's concerned that they would experience genuine unity uh, within their church. And the key to that unity, he says, is humility. So not surprisingly, he urges the church in Philippi to be humble, unselfish, and concerned for the well-being of others. And then to illustrate this attitude that he says they should have, he focuses their attention on the humility of the Son of God. And so in verse 5 we read that he says, Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. That's really straightforward, right? Your attitude should be the same as Christ Jesus. And then in verse 8... He humbled himself. And so, obviously, the connection is, if that's the example that he set, that's the example then that we should follow ourselves, where we humble ourselves and put others first. Paul appeals to Christ here as the supreme example of self-sacrificing love. One of the great challenges, or maybe even enemies that we face, is self. Me. I, I see it in my own life. I, I see it and hear it in the lives of others as well. The prevailing attitude of our culture tends to be, what? Me first. If you doubt that, uh, do you spend much time driving on the streets of Edmonton? I, I mean, I'm not talking about the potholes. I'm talking about the people who drive in such a way as to clearly demonstrate that where they have to go and where they have to be is far more important than where I have to go and where I have to be. I'm thankful that I don't have a, a long commute to work. We just live a, uh, about a kilometer and a half away. Um, but often throughout the course of the day, we're driving kids or picking up kids or running an errand or I'm going to meet somewhere. And it just never ceases to amaze me how... Uh, you know, you could be in a merge lane and you're signaling and there's just not enough opportunity to kind of sneak in there. So either you have to be the jerk and speed up and kind of squeeze your way in. Of course, the guy behind you is thinking of himself or he's not paying attention or whatever it is. And you just, you just can't even merge in. And um, you, none of you have had that experience, have you? Because you're all looking at me like, I just can't even relate to that. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, but it's true. And that kind of me-first attitude, it doesn't just exist on our streets. I suspect you see it wherever you work or people you spend time with. Maybe we even see it in our homes. See, when we come to believe that the world revolves around me and that others exist to serve me, then we get it completely upside down from the way that God intended and speaking of God, we often bring this kind of me attitude to our relationship with him. 
When we believe that God's whole mission is then to, to serve us, we kind of stuff them into Aladdin's lamp and call him genie. Uh, I mean, it's not as bad as it once was, but uh, do you remember the emails that used to float around incessantly? And I get these things that would just drive me crazy. And I'm just like, really, why are you forwarding this email to me? I don't want to pray this prayer three times, and I don't want to bug ten of my friends with it, and I don't really care what's going to happen three days from now because I don't believe it. You don't put God in a little bottle and just rub it the right way or say the right things because if we take that attitude, then we believe that God is then really no longer the focus. We're the focus, and that his sole purpose then is just to bless us and make things good for us. You see, when self is supreme, then we also pray selfish prayers. And sometimes we're even encouraged to pray that way. Oh, just bless me, God. Bless me indeed. And up against this prevailing cultural attitude, this passage in Philippians stands in dark, stark contrast. Listen to verses 3 and 4. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. And so let's think about what it means to be a blessing to others, choosing to be a blessing to others, about praying to be a blessing rather than praying to be blessed. What's the difference? And I find that the best way to look at a theme like this is to look at an example and to look at examples of people who lived out an other-focused life rather than a self-focused life. And the person that came to me just jumped from the pages of Scripture was a man by the name of Barnabas. We find him in the New Testament. You may be familiar with him, and we'll, uh, I'll give you a little portrait of some things that I think that we can see from uh, Barnabas' example. But Barnabas was a man who loved God, and he loved the blessings that he got from God. But he showed his gratitude for God's care by loving other people. He, he's best remembered as an encourager, always wanting people to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. In fact, his name Barnabas means son of encouragement. As we're going to see in a second, it was almost like a nickname that was given to him. Because his real name was Joseph. And we discover that in Acts chapter 4 and verse 36. That he was Joseph. That he was a Levite. That he was from Cyprus. And, and, and his friends must have said, Man, you are such an encourager. Everywhere you go, you're just blessing people and impacting people's lives. You know what? Joseph, we're going to nickname you Barnabas. Because that's more fitting. You're a son of encouragement. In Acts chapter 11, verse 24, he's described as a good man, full of the Holy Spirit. I love that. Full of the Holy Spirit and faith. He was full of the Holy Spirit and faith. We're going to talk a little bit next week about what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit, about the choice to live supernaturally. So just a little teaser for next week. But let's look at some portraits to help us understand this man, Barnabas. He was a real person, real place, real time. And the first thing that we can say about Barnabas is that he was a generous giver. 
He was a generous giver. In Acts chapter 4 and verse 37, we read that it was Barnabas who sold a field that he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Now, I said earlier that he was from Cyprus. Cyprus is an island in the northeastern part of the Mediterranean. And, you know, we don't know where this field was. Um, But theoretically, I mean, it it could have been island real estate. It may have been beachfront property. It may have been some property that, that he inherited. And since he was now living in Jerusalem, he sold that property and gave all of the proceeds. He didn't just keep, you know, didn't give some of it. He just gave it all. And and it was a demonstration of what we read about in Acts chapter 4, verse 32, where it said that all the believers were one in heart and mind, and no one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. And so the early church was marked by this spirit of generosity and by a desire to help one another. And so even, you know, you may think, oh, wow, two offerings today. But it was just an example for us. Yeah, we got to take care of turning on the lights and, and heating or air conditioning or whatever it might be. But we also want to care for other people. And so that's an example for us when, we, when, we, um, when we're generous with our giving. And here is Barnabas, perhaps as a landlord, landlord uh, sorry, landowner, he probably had some standing within the community whether it was from his home city or where he grew up in Cyprus or now in this group of worshipers in Jerusalem where he gave this gift. Barnabas simply put his money where his mouth was. And it wasn't just about selling the land and donating all the proceeds, but it was delivered and uh, giving, uh, he was delivering the full amount that was recorded on the title papers, what it was fully worth. And by doing this kind of generous gift, by giving this generous gift, he demonstrated that if we uh, can give things away easily, uh, they don't own us. The, The looser that we hang on to the things that God has blessed us with, the less likely they are to hang on to us. And so we have our hands free to receive what is far, is what is far more important than money. Barnabas wasn't forced to give. Generosity was part of his DNA. He was an encourager. And if it meant giving financial resources, that's what he did. And you get the sense that Barnabas enjoyed making room in his life for people and helping them. The stuff that he had, that he had been blessed with, it wasn't important to him. But what was important was that he would take what he received from God and then turn around and bless others with it. See, I believe that God is overjoyed when his children take what God has given them and then they in turn turn around and give it to others. He's like, that's exactly what I want you to do. And these people, Barnabas especially, they held loosely to the stuff that they had. And so just by way of application, it's important for us to just think about what has God blessed us with? Consider what those blessings are. Think about how we could bless others with them. A really simple thing is there's a table out there that over the next couple Sundays, you probably maybe weren't as prepared for today, although there was an email, I think, that went out about it. But for next Sunday, you have some extra tools, you have an extra hammer, you have an extra socket set, some screwdrivers. I mean, most men have probably more tools than they need because, you know, it's Father's Day. 
And, and, well, what do we do for fathers? Well, we get the Canadian Tire Flyer out and find that thing that's like 85% off, and we get that for dad, right? And, and so now he's got two sockets. Says, well, just a, we can give it. And those tools are going to be shipped to Cameroon, where they don't have as easy access to those kind of things. But we can be generous in some of the simplest practical ways when we look around at all the stuff that we have and say, you know what, I don't need to hold on to this. I'm going to use what we have to be a blessing to others. And you experience God's joy when we do. A second portrait of Barnabas is that he was a supporter of Saul. A supporter of Saul. When Saul came to Christ in Acts chapter 9, the people were suspicious and leery about this man. And it was Barnabas who stood up and vouched for him. And he defended him and affirmed the authenticity of his conversion. If I'm reading from chapter 9 and verse 26, when he came to Jerusalem, talking about Barnabas, he tried to, oh, sorry, when he, this is Paul, when he, Paul, came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But, verse 27, Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul, his name was later changed to Paul, stayed with them, um, sorry, he told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So just think about it for a second. The church's acceptance of Saul it just didn't happen like the, you know, the flipping of a light switch, something easy. Oh, so you're a Christian now. Good. Come on in. I mean, his background that every Christian would have known made him the first century equivalent of a terrorist. He was hated and feared by Christians who dreaded his next act of persecution. The people in Jerusalem, they didn't know what happened to him. And to them... This was the same guy who had been muttering death threats. And now, he was preaching that Jesus is the Son of God. You see, it, it, it may seem somewhat inconsequential, but really, what Barnabas did was not easy. After what the people experienced, there would have been many that didn't think that he would ever deserve a second chance. Perhaps... He encountered fathers who had lost sons due to the persecutions or daughters who had been abused because of his hate. And so they would have been skeptical. He's had a change of heart? Yeah, right. I'll see it or I'll believe it when I see it. Would we have stood up for Paul? All the apostles were afraid of him. That's what the scripture said, except for Barnabas. And so on the strength of Paul's words of repentance, Barnabas took him by the hand straight to the leadership of the church. He told them about his, his experience on the Damascus Road, about how Jesus appeared to him, and how now he had been preaching with great power ever since. And you have to sort of imagine that here is Barnabas coming before these people who were afraid, saying, I don't know. I have my doubts, I'm suspicious, I'm scared. And they had all of the fears. And it was Barnabas who came in and supported him and said things probably along the lines of, listen, uh, 
He's changed. Believe me, I know he's changed. Let's give him a second chance. I know what he's done. I know that he's ordered torture and death. But he's a changed man. Let's give him another chance. So Barnabas pleaded with these Christians. What about us? We may say, well, if we had lived at that time, obviously Paul's uh, change of life uh, was obvious. He became a new person, and so he'd be worthy of forgiveness and all of that stuff. Why, if we'd been there, we would have defended him too. And we sort of seem to think that maybe we don't face those kind of situations with the need to completely forgive and argue for those who need a second chance. Or do we? What about the divorced person who remains isolated in the aftermath of a breakup and feels that they have no place in church anymore? Or what about the person who's been in therapy for months following several anxiety attacks and now wants to come back to church again but, but, but knows that there have been whispers and questions about her mental stability? Or what about the guy that we know has been going to AA? I mean, the examples, they don't have to be as dramatic as these. Simply forgiving someone and taking his case to others for a second chance can be as routine as when a person makes a bad choice of words and needs someone to, to, uh, to lead him back in the, to the graces of the offended parties. You see, when we choose intentionally to give someone a second chance, we are choosing to be a blessing to them. And so we have Barnabas who was a generous giver. He took what he received from God and blessed others with it. He was a supporter of Saul. And so when someone needed a second chance, he stood up and vouched for him. And the third picture we see is that he was Barnabas, a man on a mission. And this is the third and largest section of Barnabas' life, really, his missionary work. And so together in Jerusalem, we find in Acts chapter 13... Barnabas and Paul now, they receive a commission from the church to go to the Gentiles on what has become known as, interesting, Paul's and not Barnabas' first missionary journey, and yet they were journeying together. And they start in Antioch, and they get all their gear together, and they set sail. And interestingly, the first stop is Cyprus, Barnabas' home. And they see some amazing things happen there. And then from there, they set sail across the short stretch of the Mediterranean to Asia Minor. They land at a, at a city called Perga, where one team member, John Mark, he, he left them. And he goes back to Jerusalem on his own. And, and there's some significance to that, as we'll see in a minute. But now, Barnabas and Paul continue on on their missions trip. And they go to various places, and we pick... uh, We join up with them in Acts chapter 15, verse 36. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us go back and visit the brothers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. And so Paul wanted to backtrack and go to all the places that they had already been on this missionary journey. And Barnabas, listen to this, he wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it was wise to take him 
because he had deserted them in, in Pamphylia, which was the area where Perga was, and had not continued with them in the work. And so you see this incident where this guy left them is now coming back to, into play. And here's the thing. Verse 39. They, this is now Paul and Barnabas, had such a sharp disagreement that they parted companies. They decided to go their own way. The missionary team was now split up because Barnabas wanted to continue to support and encourage and give John Mark a second chance true to his character. And Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and they left, commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And then he went through Syria and Sicilia, um, strengthening the churches. You know, they parted company. And if you read the rest of Acts, the next 12, 13 chapters, you'll discover that at this point of separation, that one stepped into the floodlights of history, the other, Barnabas, faded into the background. But he did so with his arm around a failure of some sort, both of whom, Barnabas and John Mark, this is the last place that we see them sailing towards Cyprus. Can you imagine the conversation between Barnabas and John Mark? John Mark going, why? You were on a mission. You and Paul, you were tight and you were doing great things for God together. Why, why me? And you get a sense that Barnabas says, no, 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 we're, we're still on mission. Now it's just you and me. But, but don't worry about the past. Let's keep moving forward. I'm giving you a second chance. Barnabas, I think, just would have wanted to move on. He, he, he didn't want to talk about his young colleague's failure. It was just the way the son of encouragement worked, leaving the mistakes of the past in the past and just starting over. Jesus, in his Sermon on the Mount, speaks about the Beatitudes. And I think that's what he calls us to live, is the life of the Beatitudes. And here Jesus describes what will happen to a person like Barnabas. Jesus made it clear that the one who is pure in heart, the one who is merciful, those are the ones that are going to see and experience God. The person who is single-minded about encouraging others and showing compassion, this person is the one who is blessed or expressly favored by God. Think back to what, was meant, what, what has meant the most in your own spiritual lives. Was it the nice things that were prayed for and received? Or has it been the tougher things that you faced in your own life and the lives of others? You see, choosing the first path might mean avoiding anyone who has suffered loss because somehow their tragic experience doesn't square with a life only filled with blessings. But pursuing the latter course, trying to help and encourage those facing the tougher times, means an uncomfortable involvement with heartbreak and discomfort. 
and getting used to not having anything to say to the hurting and having to trust that God remains a good God in spite of a world that festers with hurt and mistakes and brokenness. It's in those moments that God comes to us. When we are at a loss as to what to say, because there are no words that can be said. And so we beg God to help. And he comes to us. And that is a blessing in and of itself. And it's all because we want to encourage someone. You see, Barnabas, he believed in and encouraged a professed persecutor of Christians when no one else would. And so here's the paradox. In not seeking blessing for himself, but rather to be a blessing, Uh, living a life marked by the Beatitudes, peaceful, pure, merciful, righteous, meek, mournful, poor in spirit, following the example of Barnabas, we are blessed. So the benefits of living like a follower of Jesus with a Barnabas attitude with a Barnabas mindset, showing generosity, compassion, reaching out to others, encouraging, forgiving. All those benefits are tremendous. I promise you that if you look every day around you, not in the mirror to see yourself, but around you, to the others that you come in contact with. You will find each day one who is hurting, maybe someone who has lost something, one who needs encouragement from God, one who simply needs the support of, of a friend. And if we look for those that need that, we will never lack a divine encounter. An arrangement that God sets in motion at the start of each day that when we open our eyes and see the needs around us, that we can then be a blessing to others. And this is a choice that we're privileged to make every single day to be a blessing. That is our choice. Let's pray. Father, We have thought in part this morning about the things that you have blessed us with. And, um, of course, the top of the list stands the salvation that we have in Christ through faith. But, Lord, there's so many other ways that we can count our blessings. And, Lord, when we do, we realize that We probably have far more than we ever deserved. But you have entrusted those blessings to us so that we can turn around and be a blessing to others. And as we've seen from the example of Barnabas, it's not just about being generous with the things that we have. Finances, time, energy that we invest into the lives of others to be a blessing to them. But sometimes it comes alongside and just being that voice of support and encouragement to someone who needs a second chance. 
God, we know that you are a God of second chances. And you have given each of us, I suspect, multiple chances. You've forgiven us so much. And so then the call to us is to forgive others as Christ has forgiven us. Lord, you've put us on mission. And so we look around for the opportunities that we have each day to impact other people. And we know that sometimes those opportunities come with just the opportunity to simply put our arm around a friend in need, a coworker, a spouse, and to just whisper, saying, I'm here for you. We may not have the words because of the maybe deeply tragic situation or just the unfamiliarity with the circumstances for us, but we can be there. And we can be an encouragement just by our very presence. And so, Lord, I pray that you would open each of our eyes each and every day to be able to look around and see the opportunities that you present to us to be a blessing to others. We praise and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.